Hi, this is Reno Lovison, executive producer at ChicagoBroadcastingNetwork.com, and I'm here with Sarah Good Mosley and Mark Mosley, who are the um, co-directors of the Windy City Winds and uh, also good friends of mine and we're just going to have a little conversation and so hello sarah and hello mark hi there hi, <laughs> great <laughs> so uh so this is fun for me because part of what i do with chicago broadcasting network is whenever possible i like to have friends on and people that i work with and uh and why not because we're comfortable talking to each other and we have uh, interesting things to talk about so uh, Sarah and Mark are, as I said, co-directors of the Windy City Winds, which is a community band here in Chicago. And I'm going to have them explain more about what that is and how it works. But I've had the good fortune of uh, videotaping a number of their concerts pretty much since you began, which was what mm -hmm. year was that? All of them. We started in, uh, the first concert was November of 2015. We started at September. Okay. And... Um, we didn't know how many people we would get, but we had uh, 35 people by the end of September. 35 members in the band. Of members, yeah, yeah. Members. yeah. And we had good instrumentation, and that's always the challenge, you know? Yeah. Do you have all the parts covered? Yeah. And we did. Um, because there was a great demand, it was a big vacuum. Uh, there are lots of community bands in the suburbs, and there weren't very many in if there were almost none in the city so there are a lot of good musicians that uh, were happy to to join up and, yeah so um so yeah so I, I remember the first concert because i didn't know what i was walking into and i will say that i remember my first impression and it was like wow these guys sound pretty good <laughs> we were pretty good for the first yeah. time we, yeah i mean i, I think it's uh, the first season and the second concert was significant um you know, it was it was it was hard stuff. We did Aaron Copen's Lincoln Portrait with a narrator, um, and uh, and some other really challenging music. And uh, ever since then, we've done three formal concerts. You know, in the next uh, few seasons, we, our fifth season got interrupted by COVID. Yeah, and okay. We did yeah. our and second we concert in March of 2020, and a week later. We shut everything down, and we're still in on hiatus, sure. um, hoping to get together again. Um, well, we'll see. You yeah. Know. yeah. Well, that's why I wanted to have yet. partly why I wanted to have this discussion with you is because I think you know when we're talking about the arts and just a little while ago we were talking about theater, you know, so many things are closed down, and it's important to keep. Um, talking about it so people know that there's mm -hmm. action going on that for instance you all are still um together uh, as a as a group i know you're together as a couple that's good to see too but <laughs> together as a group and that's good and yeah, uh, we we uh we have a, a monthly zoom meeting with the band good. Uh, but uh you know it's not to say it's oh, not yeah. we're, we're, have you tried anxious, playing uh, I'm no sorry. everyone's anxious to play everyone's back together you know of course in a group but um you know everyone wants to do it safely as well but let's back up just for a second and help people who are listening better understand what's the whole point of windy city winds um you know we you know so sure. you you well, say we, I, we say that we have a two twofold mission the primary mission is to give the players a chance to play to give the opportunity for amateur musicians who are talented a chance to play and um, to play this uh, wind music that we really love. And, and of course, the second uh, is to bring that music to our audiences, um, to, to share it because, um, you know, people may know um, orchestral music or pop music, but we play a, a, a very wide range of styles uh, from Sousa marches to you know, orchestral transcriptions. We play a lot of modern music um, and by contemporary composers. Contemporary composers really love play, writing for band because they get played. Yeah. They get played more than once. You know, a lot of, a lot of people write for orchestra, they get played and then that's it. The purpose of the band, as I understand it, is to give people who perhaps have 
uh, studied uh, or played in a, in a band or an orchestra, let's say in college, or were particularly good, let's say in high school or something. Is that right? They give them an opportunity yeah. to play. Because so, so it's really, um, uh, you know, a number of our musicians are also band directors in high schools or elementary schools. Um, so it gives them a place to also play and keep playing their instrument. Um, and, and there's other people that, uh, you know, played in college, but it wasn't their um, main, you know, Major. source of income, right? They're not uh, paid musicians or teachers, but they're very good musicians and they wanted to continue to play. You know, it's also a social thing where people you know, maybe they're new to the city and, uh, and they want to join something where they can meet uh, other people, you know, new friends. I think that's part of it as well. And, and tell, uh, I know, but why don't we tell the people who are listening uh, where you practice and where you perform typically? So uh, we rehearse and perform uh, mostly at uh, St. Paul's United Church of Christ, uh, which is... Um, the Lincoln Park area at like Orchard and Fullerton. And um, our formal concerts during the year are all there in the sanctuary on Friday nights. And uh, we, we rehearse every Thursday night uh, during the year. We have some time off, you know, in December and the summer, but we're, we're there almost all year round, really. During the summer, we'll um, venture out. We've played at Lincoln Park Zoo we play at senior communities. We've uh, been up to Buttercup Park, uh, Washington Square Park, which right. is in the city. And uh, they're, they're especially fond of us. They bring us back every year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's a beautiful park. It's a fun place uh, to, to Yeah, it's really a, a great park. And then, uh, yeah. Some people may know it as Bug House Square. But... Bug House Square, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and then uh, for... Um, Make Music Chicago, uh, we, we got uh, to perform at Navy Pier uh, one year. And that was really, we were, the water was like right behind us. And it was just really a lot of fun. We were right by the Ferris wheel. And it, which is fantastic. And, and, you know, I love to talk about things like that because this is a Chicago-based program. I like to talk about things Chicago-oriented. Now, mm -hmm. let's talk about the two of you just for a second is that, uh, talk about Chicago-based. Now, I know, Mark, uh, you grew up in Green Bay. I did. I uh, lived in Green Bay in elementary and junior high. I went to Palatine High School. Oh, yeah, that's right. here in Chicago. Okay. And Sarah, you were south side of Chicago at some point? Is yeah, right? yeah. Evergreen Park. Yeah, okay. In southwest, yep. Yep, yep. Is that still technically Chicago, Evergreen Park, or is it, it is actually not. A, It is it surrounded is on three sides by Chicago, but it is not Chicago. Okay, so it is it is a suburb. I've always thought of it was a neighborhood, but I think it has that special status like Oak Park and Evanston. It's sort of like just part of the city, you know. And then you two met in college originally, and then and we, then we both went to the University of Illinois, and we were music majors at the same time. Um, we both uh, Sarah played flute, and I played oboe in the uh, large symphonic band, the the top band in. And in Illinois on, under Dr. Harry Beejan. Yeah. And um, University of Illinois at Champaign, right? And Champaign, yeah. And it was uh, it was a golden time and, and we knew each other, but we didn't really know each other very well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you do now. We had a lot of mutual friends. But we know each other better now, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> 30 years later, we reconnected <laughs> and we realized that we had both taught for a while and then left teaching, we had careers in information technology, both of us, and we both missed music, missed conducting. So when the opportunity arose, we, uh, we were able to start this community band. Yeah, which is and, great. Uh, yeah. And I want to talk a little about your, a little more personal as well, because so since we've got a uh, Palatine and we've got uh, Evergreen Park, so first of all, Cubs or Sox? <laughs> oh, Cubs all the way. Cubs. Cubs all the way. Okay. Even though I'm on the South Side, I'm a Cubs fan. You know, you and me both. I mean, I grew up on the South Side too. But my, I have to, I always uh, uh, credit my dad with the fact that he liked to watch all baseball games. So we watched the Cubs and the Sox on TV. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was fine too. And so what about pizza, thick or thin? 
Is. Oh, both. I, I've never met a pizza <laughs> well, I don't like. I like, yeah, that's yeah. true, that's true. But uh, I have now a new fondness for Los Angeles pizza. That's the place in Evergreen, in Park, Evergreen Park. Park. That's, oh, uh, really? That's it has incredibly good thin crust pizza. Thin crust pizza. See, that's what, yeah. you know, south side, I always thin crust. But I always like to hear what people's favorite pizza place yeah. is. Yeah, so. it's really, a, it's a special place. Yeah. Okay. Our uh, the big rivalry in our family is football, right? Because that's what I was going to get to. I'm a Packers stockholder, and I've married a Bear fan, so we have what you know a house divided. Yes, house divided. That's right. Yeah. yeah, and so do you go to your separate rooms when they're playing against each other? No, no, uh, we, uh... we're okay. We've even been to uh, Lambeau Field for. Yeah. A Although it wasn't the Bears Packers, but we went to a Bears Packer game at Soldier Field one year. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's a, you know, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I think it's it's a little less emotional, let's say, in Chicago than it is if you were up in Green Bay. Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wore a Packer oh. shirt to be safe. Yeah, exactly. I I I I received a little razz at Soldier Field, but she would have been really uncomfortable in yeah. Lambo. So yeah, absolutely. It so. was funny. We took the city bus for free from the hotel to the, uh, to the, the game and they played roll out the barrel and everybody on the bus sang and Sarah didn't realize this, this is a small town. <laughs> you know, the Packers are 20 minutes of the evening news all year long. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's the only game in town. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about Windy City Wins. And uh, I wanted to get that in early because I want to, I have a couple of trivia questions for you at the end that I want to have fun with. So if people no. uh, stick around and listen to the end, you'll hear some good trivia questions that might be fun for everybody. And just to remind you, I'm Reno Levison, um, executive uh producer at Chicago Broadcasting Network. I'm talking to Sarah and Mark Mosley, who are the co-directors of Windy City Winds. So you picked a couple of pieces that you thought might be good examples for people to hear. And I'll play a couple little samples of them. But first, uh, one of them you mentioned was American Overture. Uh, you want to tell me a little bit about that piece and why you chose it? And It's, um, it's fun. It's a it's a it's a great opener. It opened our our second concert. It's a good example of the music we played early on. Um, it's one of the band's favorites. We survey the band every year, uh, and have them rate every piece. And uh, this this is a real favorite for. And what's an example of why it's fun? Would you say? Well, if you're a horn player, it's particularly fun. Yeah, it has horns. wonderful French horn parts, yeah. but it's. Um, it's optimistic. It's um, a little it's, fast it's, and furious. Yeah, it, it's fast, ways, yeah. and but it's it's uh, yeah, it, it's it's it, it's it just sounds very American. Okay, so I, let's, let's. I don't think you have to be uh, you know a, a cultural uh, knowledgeable person to appreciate it because it sounds like movie music. It's fun, and it's, and it's fun. Let's just pause for a second here and we'll listen to a minute or two of American Overture. Okay, so let's talk about the second piece that you selected for us to listen to today, which is a piece called uh, Mysterium by Jennifer Higdon. And I'm not familiar with who she is, but maybe you can tell me a little bit about Mysterium and, and why you selected that piece. 
Sure. Um, we decided um, uh, after attending uh, Midwest, uh, which is a band and orchestra conference uh, here in Chicago, and uh, we met with composers and they had a booth, some more current ones like Jennifer Higdon and um, uh, who are still alive. Right. <laughs> And also, uh, we it was composer female composers, but also composers of color, and they're not represented very well in a lot of concerts uh, overall. So we decided um, uh, for our, our one of our seasons that we would feature a female composer at each of our concerts. And um, uh, Jennifer Hignan, this piece. Um, just kind of struck me. One, I think, because I'm a you know a flute player, and it features two flute soloists. Uh, it's the kind of music that that and and the way that she explains it is that um, it's kind of about the the mystery of how music moves us, and and uh, and how it just really speaks to you and how it makes you feel. I guess, for lack of a better word. And uh, uh, so I, I really love the piece for that reason. And, Great. Uh, so well, let's listen, let's listen to a little bit of Mysterium by Jennifer Higdon. So that was a couple of minutes of uh, uh, the piece Mysterium by Jennifer Higdon, who is a female composer from, do you know where she's from? She lives in Atlanta, I believe. Atlanta. She's written a few things about that Atlanta okay. area and, and done some things with, specifically with the Atlanta Symphony. Just curious. And it's a good segue for me to remind people that they might want to listen to the uh, previous podcasts of ours, where I had an interview with uh, Regina Harris Bayaki, who is a Chicago uh, composer, woman uh, composer here in Chicago. And so some of you might want to listen to that and learn a little bit more about Regina as well. The other piece that you two picked out is called uh, one's called Ritual Dances. And what would you like to say about that? So that was our, uh, our following season um, where we were choosing composers of color uh, for all of our concerts. And um, uh, Sean uh, Okpapolo, actually uh, from Chicago. Okay, great. Yeah, uh, he teaches out at uh, Wheaton, Wheaton College. College. Yeah, mm -hmm. 
an uh, African-American uh, composer. And again, this piece is, um, it's complex rhythmically. Um, it features a lot of percussion. And uh, again, it's just kind of a, a dramatic piece, mm -hmm. I guess you would say. And there's a very haunting theme kind of throughout that he plays with. And at the very end, he just elongates it in, in the saxophones and vibraphones. And then at the very end, it's just all of the members of the band humming like the final note. And then it just quietly ends. And I, I just, I don't know. We, I just loved it. Great. So I, I think is, Mark did too. It, oh, I think a lot of awesome. people. Well, maybe, dramatic. maybe what I'll do is play the end of that piece. Does that make sense? Um, it's pretty quiet. <laughs> oh, it is. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, you'll I, get you'll get more of the percussion at the beginning. And, yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's listen to the let's listen to the beginning of ritual dances and uh, listen for the percussion on this. So that was ritual dances. What was interesting to me, Sarah, you mentioned, of course, that you were a flute player. And Mark, I think I remember, was an oboe player. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. uh, those are your primary instruments. However, as co-directors, you each take turns directing various parts of the concerts that you give. And then you alternately also go back to play percussion. So my question in ritual dances as because I don't remember <laughs> who was conducting and who was actually on percussion uh, during that piece. Sadly, I wasn't on percussion. I was conducting that piece, but actually I shouldn't say sadly because I, it was a lot of fun to conduct. And uh, so Mark was back in the percussion section. Yeah. For okay. Sarah takes percussion seriously, takes lessons. Uh, she's, she's very good. I pretend to play percussion when it's my turn. <laughs> Well, and, and I think for those who did just listen to the piece, I think it's important for them to understand there are multiple people playing percussion, typically. Yes. Right? Yes. So there's probably, busy. at least in this piece, uh, maybe at least three people, probably, right? Yeah, probably four. Four, four five, five yeah. or six, actually. Yeah, yeah. Five. Okay. And yeah. Uh, Mark, you were uh, on which percussion instrument would you say? Do you remember? Were you on? That's a good question. I don't were you on the bass drum or were you on the snare yeah. drum? No, it wasn't snare drum. Um, Maybe tambourine uh, and some of the cymbals, tambourine. Yeah. I I often played bass drum and uh, okay. 
but probably uh, tambourine. Is there any cowbell in this? I can't remember. <laughs> Not in this one. Not no. enough cowbell. It needs more. Always. There's always really a, a great uh, timpani and pedal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Which, by the way, why don't we mention you just got some new timpani uh, recently. We did. Right? Uh, we did. We had uh, two originally from the church that they owned that uh, were much older, but we were grateful to have them. Uh, so we bought two uh, initially um, that the band members themselves funded. Oh, nice. And a couple of years later, we wanted to replace these from the church because they're they're just getting older. And uh, we won our first grant it's to awesome. help pay for them. Great. Do you want to plug the grantee? Um, it's actually um, uh, the Saints uh, Chicago. Oh, the Saints Chicago. The, yeah. um, they would be the grantors, actually, right? The grantors, yes. The grantors, yeah, grantor. yeah, yeah. I guess you'd say. Oh, say the Saints, and that—that's the group that does the uh, the Usher. ushers. That's, yes. That's yes. I, I know many of them from my uh, I, theater uh, yeah. reviews, sure. and you know, I I chat with a lot of Saints when I'm in the uh, in the you know, during the intermission. So, yeah, they well, gave uh, grants to you know several Chicago arts organizations, organizations, dance, yeah. theater, and music. Well, performing arts. Yeah. Very nice. Well, good for you. I'm good for we you. We were very great. Thanks to them and, and good for you that they saw the value in what you're doing. And that's that's awesome. So let's conclude the uh, the musical part of this uh, by the next piece, which is Adventures on Earth from E.T., which is uh, the John Williams piece from E.T., right? Yes. And uh and maybe you want to share your, I you, I remember that you met John Williams. Is that correct? We did. Yeah, we did. We got to. Meet. And actually the arranger, uh, Paul Lavender was there that night as yes. well. Yeah. It's a, we, it was a great honor to meet John Williams. It, he was, it was backstage at the Chicago symphony. He had just conducted the CSO and, um, um, we mentioned to him that we were playing this piece and he was very impressed because it's challenging. Everyone has heard this uh, because everyone has seen the movie E.T. It, it features the, the music played during the famous uh, bicycle chase scene mm -hmm. where the, uh, they're trying to you know, run from the government and, and rescue E.T. And then of course that, that goes into the flying theme where all the bicycles are flying and then they land and the most gorgeous music happens when um, they're saying goodbye. And it's a famous scene, if you cut the music out, nothing happens for minutes. It's boring as sin. But with the music, it has all the emotion involved that everybody appreciates you know, and remembers from that scene. It makes that scene really special. This is something that Spielberg has said that, you know, his music just wouldn't work without John Williams. His, his movies wouldn't work without yeah. the music that he plays. John Williams um, borrows from the very best. And in this case, he borrows a lot of from Richard Strauss. And it's just it's just a soaring emotional uh, plane. So it's great music that happens to be known by everybody. Mm. Yeah. Well, let's listen to that because who doesn't want to listen to Adventures on Earth from E.T.? <laughs>
so that was a that that's a a beautiful piece as we all agree and and you're absolutely right that uh you know it just conjures up the image of the movie and of course that iconic image of the of the bicycles in front with the moon behind them and uh you know that whole thing that that's the the very essence of that movie isn't it and and it makes me think too you know as a you know, I do video production for my, for my work, for my business. And, uh, I know myself that, you know, when I video record something, or if I put together a, a program, when I add the music, it just adds so much more to the piece the music very often is the thread that brings all of the thoughts together. It's the mm -hmm. thread that brings all of the scenes together and people mm -hmm. don't, you know, realize how important music is to uh, to the to telling a story yes. via movie or video or what have you. Music is just so important to us and to the members of the band. Yeah, you know, the band is very diverse in ages and professions. I mean, there's <laughs> the ages range from twenty to ninety-three. It's awesome. And, and the, um, the, the people come from neighborhoods all over the city. They come from as far away as Morgan Park and Rogers Park. And some people come from Oak Park and Evanston. But, you know, we're, we're really, we want to reach everybody. And we play a little bit lighter things outdoors. Um, but you come to our concerts, you'll see, you know, young kids, teenagers, uh, college kids, young people in their 20s. Um, um, people of all ages, and there's something on the each program that everyone can enjoy. That's awesome, and I'm glad you said that because I like to say about Chicago Broadcasting Network that we that we cover age diverse kind of topics, and I think that's so important. I mean, we're we're diverse in in all of the you know ways that we try to be diverse today, but it's yeah. sometimes I think age diverse gets a little overlooked. And I, these, I love when people share together when there's, you know, when you have multi-generational activities, because there's yes, so much that people yeah. can learn from each other. You know, uh, those of us who uh, have more experience in life uh, can learn from younger people and, and we like to think vice versa. So I, I think that's great that you create that opportunity. And again, you know, Windy City Winds is not just, I mean, it's obviously all about the music, but it's also about the social element and you know, sharing music together. There's nothing, nothing more satisfying than that for people who can, can play a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's awesome. I'm not sure too, I don't, I don't think we said, but, you know, we started small, you know, that 30 to 35 people that first season. Um, but we have since doubled in size. We're, we're wow. a ride around 60 people now, which is about as big as we can be right now. We're limited by space, yeah. but, um, that's our background. It, you know, now they have much smaller wind ensembles and things at colleges, but we grew up playing at college with band. the large, you know, very large symphonic bands that we love. Yeah. So uh, they have 60 players um, and uh, it's wonderful. And we have a, a waiting list of people. We would love to have more people come in, but there's no room in front of the church in the sanctuary. <laughs> we could probably start a second band just from all of the the, the other people, that we have. there's that yeah. much demand for the opportunity to play. That's, it, and it's great because it, it, playing music should be a lifelong pursuit. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it that's shows that it is, right? That these are, um, many of our members are not musicians or not music teachers, but they are people who have played their instruments since grade school and continue to carry it into their adult life. And, uh, and that's what, that's a band director's dream, right? Is sure. to have kids that he's taught and, and brought onto an instrument to continue to play, you know. Uh, well, it's, it's so important. And I think, you know, you've given me an opportunity to, to plug Julie, which um, my, the people who listen to this show regularly know that I uh, sneak in a, a mention for the Lakeshore Music Studio wherever I can. Yes. Piano lessons. <laughs> piano you lessons. should. Yeah. Piano lessons for all ages, and and the message that that we've created at the Lakeshore Music Studio, Julie and I, me, I say me as her marketing companion, uh, and she is the doing the heavy lifting teaching. But but we know that her students are not 
most of them are not going to go on to be professional musicians, though a right. couple, two or three of them have gone on and made a career out of it. Most of them are not. And music in the younger ages is really about, uh, so, there's so many things to be said about it, but in terms of uh, what it does for you academically, because it challenges your brain in a new way. But, but more importantly, it's important for parents to understand that it's about, you know, this lifelong learning, this opportunity to have this, this outlet, this emotional outlet that you can have for the rest of your life. Yeah. And what a great gift that is. And uh, good that you're that, providing this opportunity. I, I think that um, music really helps people understand their own emotional selves. I mean, it's a very healthy thing. That's, I think, what attracts people to music. Um, and it's what brings people back to it if they've put it aside for some mm -hmm. time. Because, um, you know, the music touches you and it, it helps you understand yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. So I agree. And, and again, thanks to, to the two of you for providing this uh, outlet for people to come together because so many of these things don't happen unless somebody decides to just do it, you know. And well, it's, yeah. it's, it's our labor of love, that's for, for sure. sure. <laughs> so, so let's wind up with my trivia, a couple of my trivia questions for fun. Okay. okay? And uh, I hope you'll think it's fun. As you said, well, uh, we might as well plug this too, that, you know, Brian Chang, who plays uh, clarinet, bass clarinet. Bass clarinet. Bass clarinet in Windy City Winds, mm -hmm. is a former Jeopardy contestant, champion, champion, champion yeah. who is going to champion. be coming back. And I'm going to be interviewing him um, soon in the next couple of weeks. And we're going to have a uh, episode here talking to Brian Chang about his experience on Jeopardy. But I, since I, I'm a huge Jeopardy fan, I always like to have some trivia questions and I think it's fun for the listeners to participate in that. This okay. is a little bit more like, wait, wait, don't tell me than Jeopardy. But um, so, so first of all, that's what instrument, too. wait, pardon me. What was that? That's fun too. Yeah, that's fun too. So, so what instrument is an early form of the trombone used in Renaissance music? Oh boy. An early form of trombone used in Renaissance music. This I thought this was going to be a no-brainer. Of course, it's the it's uh, no, the, I'm kind it's of... the sack butt. Oh, sack oh. butt. Okay, because we we haven't had anyone play the sack. Oh, I thought you did. So I, I, because it's always fun to be able to say sack butt. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't get to work that into conversation that much. Well, now that you say it, it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> Look it up, sack butt, folks. Yeah. Now. What famous big band era clarinetist was born in Chicago and lived in the Maxwell Street area? Oh, that would be you know Benny Goodman. Benny Goodman. Benny Goodman. Yeah, he received two years of instruction from the classically trained clarinetist and Chicago Symphony member Franz Schupp, S C H O E P P, and then he joined the boys' club band at Hull House. So a lot of people, I think, don't realize that Benny Goodman is from Chicago. He's very much from Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, which of these pieces is not written by John Philip Sousa? The Washington Post March, Stars and Stripes Forever, or the March of the Toy Soldiers? <laughs> Go ahead. The Toy Soldiers. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was a gimme for you guys. There's, there's a march from Bathed in Toyland, yeah. and, and yeah. I think there's a another piece by somebody named Jessel. Um, yes. It's the... So there's three tunes. That there you go. Okay, well... You can play with toy soldiers. For people's, uh, for your fun at home, look up any of the toy soldiers <laughs> and know that none of them were written by John Philip Sousa. <laughs> True. <laughs> That's right. Um, now, who was the composer of the musical Chicago? Uh, the, the composer's name is John Kander. Beautifully and done. The lyricist is Fred Ebb. Very good. Kander and Ebb. And I use that because his grandnephew, Jason Kander, is an active pol political figure in Missouri. He was actually the Secretary of State, and he was my nephew's best man in wow. his wedding. Uh, so I had to. Yeah. 
So I had to get in that club for that uh, plug for uh, John Kander wherever I can. Uh, great, and that my bonus difference. question on that was what famous Chicago born dancer was the choreographer for Chicago? Do you know that? Not exactly a musical that question. Bob Fosse. Yay, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and he grew up in my neighborhood, like not far from here. He, he uh, grew up near like Damon and Foster. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Isn't that weird? Didn't you think that. of him as like such a New York guy and everything. You know? mm -hmm. yeah. And uh, <laughs> let's see, I think I have two more questions. And these are, uh, well, you'll see. Okay. So what big band leader of the 1930s and 40s was immortalized at the footbridge scene in the music musical, The Music Man? The footbridge scene. Footbridge in, scene. In the music the scene. Yeah. And he gets interrupted. Harold Hill gets interrupted by Marcellus, who is played by uh, Buddy Hackett. <clears throat> and he says, excuse me to Mar uh, Marion, the librarian, with this line. Yes. You know that line? The call from... You're there. He gets a call he has to take from someone, but... Yeah, he says... He says, uh, wait, I wrote it down. I'm expecting a telegram from Rudy Frimmel, and this could be it. Oh, oh, <laughs> Rudy Frimmel. That's it. <laughs> it's an obscure reference that yeah, both musicians and and actors are always intrigued about, like, who's this Rudy Frimmel guy? You know, I was. <laughs> and so I know a lot of actors where that's kind of an inside joke. You know, it's like yeah. people will often say to each other, oh, excuse me, you know, I, I'm expecting a telegraph from Rudy Frimmel. <laughs> yes. it, it turns out that Rudolph Frimmel, do you know this, that his father, Rudy Frimmel was a band leader in the 1920s and 30s or 30s and 40s but his father was a czech um classical composer yeah i think that the call was actually from the father do you think so yeah okay, that's what because i wasn't sure because Rimmel, he was he was writing um musical comedies the same time as uh victor herbert and okay sigmund romberg and all those those those, those viennese kind of style uh, so that would have been more in keeping with the music the band being about yeah. 1910 that's right yeah, yeah. yeah okay yeah. very good so uh and then the last one and I, i'm afraid sarah that this is probably directed at mark name the comedic <laughs> singer who had three albums that's each started with my son the blank <laughs> <laughs> you know this Oh, go ahead. No, Adam. you know okay. it. You can't live with me and not know this. <laughs> this is something that Reno and I share a love for Alan Sherman. That's right. I had to get that in there. So, I mean, that, you know, that just shows that we are pretty uh, odd. There's not, not a whole lot of us Alan Sherman uh, fanatics. Well, out there, but, you know, yeah. I. I, I I learned a lot from Alan Sherman. I, you know, I, I mean, as you know, a, uh, a you know, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant <laughs> in the Midwest. I learned yeah. a lot about chicken soup and everything else that's Yiddish from Alan Sherman. Yeah, and that's kind of amazing. I think that was sort of one thing that sort of intrigued me because uh, I thought, well, that was really interesting that you knew so much about him. And uh, it's funny, you know. Man. Yeah, and so the, there were three albums that started with My Son. Do you know what they were? Well, My Son the Nut, yeah. My Son the Folk Singer, and who what would the other one be? I, I actually tripped up on that one, too, is My Son the Celebrity. The Celebrity. Yeah, but the other two are, are much more. Yes. And, and for people listening at home, Alan Sherman is most famous for the Hello Mudda, Hello Fada um song so uh but uh a passion of both mark and i is alan sherman so uh you know i i, I always thought i, I should I should have written a term paper uh, the contrasting alan sherman with um um uh, tom lear oh okay tom lear yeah. uh, they're both both very funny <laughs> But one's a little more highbrow than intellectual. Than a little more cerebral. The other one is, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Very clever people, both. Yeah, yeah. I, I love parodies. Yeah. That's so. a lot of fun. Well, good. So uh, let's wrap this up with uh, anything you want. First of all, tell people how they can get involved 
by either helping Windy City Winds or where to find out information about it or uh, how we can find out information about uh, concert dates, future, and so on, status? Sure. We have um, a website, windycitywinds.org, um, where we post all our events and concert information and you can learn history about the band. There's a few clips up there um, that we play. Um, of course, we have a Facebook page, also Windy City Winds, um, where, again, we post all our concert information. Uh, we're on Instagram and Twitter. So uh, Great. Just look for Windy City Winds wherever you like to right. look for stuff. <laughs> yeah awesome so that's right listen this has been a lot of fun i thank you so much for being my guests here today and playing along thanks for with having me. us yeah thanks for having that's us great and uh to remind everybody at home uh i'm reno lovison executive producer at chicago broadcasting network.com and i'm just had a discussion a beautiful discussion here with uh, Sarah and Mark Mosley the co-directors of Windy City Winds and we'll probably just listen to some piece of my choosing at the end of uh, this broadcast so hang out and just listen for the next two minutes thanks here's a famous old folk song that you all know entitled Aura Lee. Every time you take vaccine, take it orally. As you know, the other way is more painfully. My grandfather's clock was the best ever made by the Timex Company. Just like the clock John Cameron Swayze displayed last night on the old TV. Oh, it works underwater so perfectly, and it still makes a ticking sound, which my grandfather tried only this afternoon, and that's how the old man drowned. <laughs> Do not make a stingy sandwich pile the cold cuts high. Customers should see salami coming through the right. Oh, I diet all day and I diet all night. It's enough to drive me bats. Got no gravy or potatoes, cause the whole refrigerator's full of polyunsaturated fats. Fairly well, Metrical, and the others of that ilk. Let the diet start tomorrow, cause today I'll drown my sorrow in a double malted milk. When you go to the delicatessen store, don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the liverwurst. I repeat what I just said before. Don't buy the liverwurst. Don't buy the Can trust and the locks puts you in orbit a-okay but that big hunk of liverwurst has been there since october 1st and today is the 23rd of may so when you go to the delicatessen store 